Welcome to the India Fintech Diaries, the only podcast focused exclusively on the Indian fintech market. I'm Elroy. And I'm Heman. In each episode, we dive into the latest trends, ideas, innovations, business models, and personalities that are shaping India's fintech landscape. We also invite amazing guests who are innovators and industry players that are driving the change that is helping make financial services more modern, innovative, and inclusive in India. Come join us as we explore the changing landscape of fintech in India. Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of India Fintech Diaries. I'm your co-host Elroy and this is a show where we discuss the latest trends in Indian fintech and speak to some amazing guests from the industry and deep dive into specific fintech themes. And I'm your co-host Heyman. Continuing in our series on embedded finance, this week we move the spotlight to embedded banking. To answer your question on embedded banking and give you a peek into the changes being ushered in by embedded banking, it is my pleasure to introduce Murli Nair, President Banking at Zeta. Welcome to the show, Murli. It's been a long time since we spoke. Hi, Hemant and Elroy. Uh, great to be here and thanks for having me. Of all the fintech leaders I've known in recent years, Murli, you probably have had one of the most interesting journeys from banking to fintech. Uh, talk a little more about yourself and how you came into this brave new world of fintech and about the genesis of Zeta. Well, uh, Elroy, uh, you know, it's a great question. And sometimes I even I myself wonder how I, at the age of 51, I'm actually part of this uh, exciting world of payments, embedded banking and fintechs. Uh, uh, so uh, uh, quickly, you know, uh, I, I think it's like in many people's lives, uh, there's a series of accidents, if you will, which has brought me to where I am today. And uh, happily so, because I'm at the vantage point of Everything that's uh, breaking out in the world of embedded banking or open banking or, you know, the the entire world of financial technology being a disruptive force, which is changing the way banking is done. I started off my career actually uh, selling edible oils on the streets of India uh, with ITC Limited way back in 1993 after I did my MBA from IIM Calcutta. And then uh, five years into the journey at uh, of selling edible oils, I realized that it's probably not what I wanted to do when I left uh, B-School. Uh, and then at that time, Citibank was uh, looking for people f- from the FMCG industry to kind of help them along with distribution in the financial services space. That's how I got into Citibank uh, peddling credit cards initially uh, for Citibank. Citibank, as you know, it was a university in those days for financial services, spent seven years learning the ropes of uh, everything to do with credit cards and payments. And that, in some sense, laid the foundation for a career in financial services. Uh, I moved to doing more credit card businesses with other banks like uh, Deutsche Bank and with Barclays, both of which were, in some sense, startup journeys because they were really setting up a credit card business from scratch. And that's really what uh, helped me understand what it takes to build out a business from uh, having nothing except maybe an idea in your head about uh, launching a new business. I did that for a bit came back to India, joined another early stage fintech company, if you will, called Pinpoint, did uh, loyalty marketing, but with a financial services industry bias for about four to five years. That paved the way through an acquisition by MasterCard into uh, the network industry. And I spent a few years with uh, MasterCard and Visa. And at some point in time, uh, Bhavin Turakia of Zeta found me and he said, uh, do you really want to continue doing this big corporate thing or do you want to revolutionize the world of banking and financial services by joining Zeta and 
here i am muli i must say 50 is not old 50 is the new young in the world of fintech most of the successful fintech founders and entrepreneurs are around say 35 to 45 to 50 muli and elroy if you see the emerging trend that has really blown up in 2020 has been embedded finance and especially after goldman announced that it was bringing embedded journeys into the transaction banking world Now, since then, 2021 is fast becoming the year of embedded finance, with many new ventures embracing the concept of embedded lending, insurance, and payments into their business. The entire premise, Murli and Elroy, which I think of embedded finance, is that customers are increasingly moving towards and spending a lot of time uh, on large platforms and ecosystem, and financial service providers will have to move to those platforms and embed themselves into those user journeys to be close to their customers and also make their financial products simple and convenient. So, Murli, can you help our listeners? Does really understand what is embedded banking? It's a great uh, question, and Hemant, I think you've kind of hit the nail on and said that 2021 is, in some sense, uh, the breakout year for embedded uh, banking or embedded finance, uh, whichever way you want to call it. So, you know, if you want to really simplify what this concept is, it's really the seamless joining of traditional services such as payments processing uh, or any other financial service into a non-financial app or website. At the very simple level, if you really think about it that way. it becomes easy to understand what this embedded banking or embedded finance is financial services like you said are uh, uh, today more and more embedded into a wide variety of software and apps which are peddled by non bank providers and in some sense because of the fact that these services are being provided on large platforms like you were uh, mentioning uh, they are ending up you know exactly where the consumer is today so the consumer wants to make the world of payments invisible and they're not really waking up and you know bavin our founder at zeta uh, has this uh, famous saying that nobody wakes up in the morning wanting to make a payment right you're waking up in the morning because you want to have a cup of coffee you want to go to a office uh, in those pre covid days uh, using uber or ola and etc etc but all of these in- interactions that you have with apps to order your coffee to order a cab to order your breakfast or uh, a simple thing like making an online purchase for your grocery all of these places become where you interact with apps and there you want the finance layer to be in some sense invisibly intertwined into the app itself so that it becomes a seamless seamless experience so you know think of ola uber grab offering credit cards and debit cards and other forms of payment consumer focused uh, sort of fintechs like square and klarna uh, which are you know creating really embedded sort of uh, experiences for their consumers such as smes and so on uh, similarly large consumer tech companies like apple google amazon are all interacting constantly with their customers and saying and and they have and customers have this need right i mean if you're a, a amazon customer for example you're constantly looking for uh, stuff to buy on on amazon but you also need to make the payment associated with that and while making the payment you may or may not have the money to pay for all the goods and services that you're ordering from amazon immediately so you may want a facility like a loan facility etc what better way to then make all of this seamlessly available on the app itself and that's really where the journey is uh, going today and i think in some sense the telcos were the harbingers of this entire movement because telcos had, had large bases of customers some of them like vodafone in the early days with mpesa etc created you know embedded payment mechanisms they tended to do it on their own rather than involve financial services companies to do this but i think it's now become a mass movement where anyone who has a base of customers that they serve wants to make available seamless financial services 
And that in a nutshell is what embedded banking or embedded finance is all about. I hope uh, uh, helps your listeners understand what embedded finance or embedded banking is. Absolutely, Murli. And Murli, if you see, as you rightly pointed out, on the demand side, it is very clear that the demand does exist, right? And through my interaction with multiple banks and banking leaders, I've realized that banks are also very, very keen on changing with the times and providing these services as part of the daily life of the customers. Then where does that challenge exist where we are struggling with? So I think there are two things uh, really in terms of the reason why the supply side is not yet fully in uh, sync with this entire revolution that's happening uh, on the consumer front. And that's really to do with, I think, the regulatory landscape in some sense still evolving to fix this entire concept of access to financial information for customers, right? I mean, at the end of the day, the licensing norms of the central banks that drive the financial ecosystem are still hesitant to fully grant end-to-end licenses for e-commerce players or non financial institutions to sort of take on the role of providing end-to-end finance to to their consumers uh, with the result that there is always this necessity to bring in a financial services company uh, to partner with some of these fintechs to make or big techs to make available the financial services products to end consumers uh, so banks are in in my opinion uh, in two sort of halves if you will there are the, the ones that have realized that for them to continue to stay relevant for their end consumer, they have to partner with such people. And you will see some of the large private sector banks and some of the really forward thinking public sector banks in India, for example, starting to cooperate and partner with fintechs. However, the lack of an open banking type regulation is probably preventing all of this financial services, uh, fintech sort of companies to leverage on, on the possibility of partnering with banks. And I think because there is no mandate as such today, banks have to volunteer to do this partnership with fintechs to make it happen. Uh, There is no in uh, in Europe, for example, open banking regulations are already in place, uh, which uh, forces uh, in some sense uh, banks to open out their entire customer base in some sense to uh, fintechs who want to leverage that data to provide modern banking financial services. Uh, to their customers. So I think that's the journey that we are seeing. Till the time that that enabling regulation uh, comes along, I think we're going to see some friction uh, and there will be some areas of doubt about what is kosher and what is not from a regulatory perspective. But uh, I have no doubt that everyone in the ecosystem, including the regulator, is learning and learning very fast. And all of this will change in the next 18 to 24 months, in my opinion. And Muli, good that you brought up the open banking and this is like a curved one for me because every day nowadays when I wake up, there are new fintech terms which are being launched. Now there is open banking and then there is embedded banking and open banking is, as you rightly highlighted, in, in especially comes into the context with the European PSD2. Can you help us understand and our listeners understand the relationship between open banking and embedded banking? Is it same? Is it different? It is nearly going together. What's What's the relationship between those two terms? It's a great question and it it took me a while to understand the difference myself, I must confess. The way I have compartmentalized the two in my head is that open banking is the enabler which makes embedded finance possible. If you phrase it like that, it I think demystifies a lot of the differences. So open banking is a banking practice that provides third-party financial services open access to their consumer banking data or transaction data uh, from banks and NBFCs through APIs uh, so that these non-financial or non-regulated entities can have access to this data 
to provide services to customers. So that's really the concept of open banking. Basically, you know, customers can then in some sense authorize their banks and financial institutions, the kind of right to or rather grant access to their data to third parties. So basically, if I'm a customer of a of a particular bank, if I tell the bank that, you know, you can now open my data to a third party to access that data, that in some sense is the relationship between me as the consumer, the bank, which then opens the data for third parties to leverage. So, like I said, the best way to think about it is that open banking is the enabler, which makes embedded finance possible. Uh, Murli, now let's look at India for a moment. In India, quite a few of the banks have embraced API banking, whereby a number of banking services are now being exposed to their partners via APIs. Now, this has allowed some partners to embed banking products within the user journeys and make the entire experience rather seamless for their customers. A good example of this comes to mind is the Ola credit card, which allowed a customer to apply from within the Ola app itself and then manage pretty much the entire card life cycle from within that. So this kind of made Ola, which was a non-financial taxi cab company into an quasi-credit card issuer. So what are some of the embedded banking use cases that you are seeing emerging in India today? And uh, what banks and fintechs are today at the forefront of this change? Again, a great question. So I think there are a few use cases that are starting to emerge. And, you know, the original set of use cases really came about in the prepaid uh, world. There are some use cases that came on the back of UPI's explosion. Then uh, this enabling regulation of PPI licenses in some sense allowed uh, many of these non-regulated uh, entities, the erstwhile non-regulated entities to offer modern sort of uh, mobile-based experiences for their customers. Uh, so just to delve a little bit deeper into the Ola example that you talked about, the Ola credit card has an underlying financial institution uh, which is SBI Cards in this case, who is actually providing the balance sheet, the risk underwriting norms uh, for Ola to be able to offer this functionality to their end consumer. So the regulatory uh, environment in India is such that you need a bank to, in some sense, sponsor or in some sense, provide the regulatory cover for a fintech uh, or like Ola to offer a financial service to its end consumer as part of their overall offering, right? So that's the regulatory landscape. So you need a financial institution which has the ability to take the consumer credit risk. At a more basic level, an issuance of a credit card in India can only be done by a, a regulated entity like a bank. It's also, you know, it, uh, there are only two non-bank financial institutions which are actually authorized to issue credit cards and that's Bob and SBI cards really. But everyone else is really a bank if you want to issue a credit card. Now, the use cases that we are seeing are going to actually start exploding in in, uh, uh, two or three sort of uh, uh, areas. One is this entire concept of offering lending to SMEs and MSMEs, right? Uh, I think there there's a big gap which is waiting to be fulfilled. I think the entire idea of iSpirit's open credit enablement network, which is going to come in, will start allowing this to happen in a large way. But even before that, I see a lot of fintechs partnering with traditional banking and non-banking financial institutions to fulfill this lending gap uh, which exists in the market. Uh, So whether it's the Ola credit card or if there's someone like, you know, the entire concept of lazy pay making available uh, funding uh, for uh, consumers uh, to sort of... uh, complete their e-commerce transaction uh, without even thinking about, you know, the fact that they have the money at their disposal. I think that entire lending at the last mile 
is one big bucket of activity that I'm seeing. The second uh, sort of area which is evolving yet to get uh, fully revolutionized is this concept of a modern uh, banking experience for either a savings or a current account. You know that Bank Open is uh, the first entity which is attempting to do that. Uh, I think there's, uh, there's a bunch of use cases which are going to come there. Uh, there's a bunch of use cases around prepaid uh, and Forex prepaid even. Forex prepaid has taken a backseat currently because of the fact that, uh, you know, COVID travel has probably come down. But otherwise, that was an area which was uh, seeing some very interesting players like Neo, for example, offering a uh, travel prepaid card without any uh, markup uh, or Forex markup. So those are some of the use cases that uh, we were seeing. We also see a lot of use cases where, uh, you know, UPI driven sort of payment apps are coming into play. So I would think about four buckets like that, uh, where there's a lot of activity, uh, yet to evolve our insurance, yet to involve our mutual funds, etc. I think probably, uh, you know, starting to happen. And I think B2B e-commerce is another place where buy now, pay later sort of use cases are starting to emerge. So long answer, but five or six use cases, buckets of lending, some buckets of prepaid, some buckets of payments, but insurance and mutual funds and sophisticated financial products in some sense yet to evolve. Uh, that's very interesting, Murli. It looks like this trend is catching up in India as well. Just on a slightly different note, like you correctly highlighted, India does today lacks any digital open banking regulations, right? Which means that fintechs have to largely make do with uh, existing regulations that are then try and fit their models within the confines of existing reg regulations. But uh, this probably may not be ideal uh, going forward. So from a regulatory standpoint, uh, what might be some of the changes that you think should be done to further facilitate this model? I think the uh, RBI honestly has made some attempt to start off. I think 2016, they announced this account aggregator model. At least that allows in some sense access to the uh, bank data, but provided the bank is willing to let it happen, right? So we saw the story of Indusin using the aggre account aggregator route to make available their data for fintechs to partner. But I think the regulatory push that's required is to move one step closer to open banking, which is to say that if I as a consumer have no problems with a bank authorizing my data to be shared with a fintech, then perforce there should be a regulation which allows that to happen because that's the way banks will get pushed in a way that will allow fintechs to leverage this data to offer modern banking services. I still think though that we are probably a couple of years away from this kind of a uh, open banking regulation coming in simply because the ecosystem is still in some sense uh, controlled by the RBI along with the banks and there is always a little bit of uh, hesitation to open the floodgates as it were. And actually, I'm on the fence on this one, Elroy, because in my view, some amount of caution is required, especially when we are coming out of a COVID-like situation where the banking system is in some sense dealing with uh, potential you know, uh, credit losses, which are uh, in some sense hidden because of the, of the moratorium that was in place. So we want the economy to uh, reach a stage where it's stable. The banking system is stable enough to absorb leakage of revenue because what's going to happen when this entire uh, revolution takes place is that banks will start losing revenue right to fintechs at that time we want to have an ecosystem which is able to withstand the shock 
So only at Zeta, you are also helping the banks and the fintechs usher in this change through your products. Uh, we would really like to hear about the key features of the product and how they really make embedded banking possible for the players in the market. So uh, Zeta is in some sense the, let's say, the marriage maker, uh, which uh, facilitates banks to partner with fintechs. Uh, so product that we offer in the market, Hemant, uh, is Confusion, where we leverage our underlying platform just to uh, give you all the the full Monty of Zeta's platform capability. We have everything built in-house, ground up, covering a core banking uh, solution, which is a digital core banking solution. We have our own card management system. We have our own universal switch. We have our own payment engine. We have our own access control server system. All of these are, in some sense, made into a single platform which allows through APIs and SDKs, either banks or fintechs to launch modern banking experiences for their customers, right? So typically what we do is we sit in between a bank, which is called a supply side bank. We end up uh, using a combination of our uh, sort of uh, APIs and, and some of the bank's APIs, uh, which are mandatorily required, think KYC, uh, think uh, limit management, etc., to make available APIs for fintechs to launch modern banking experiences for their customers. They can launch a prepaid card, a debit card, a credit card, a savings account, or a simple loan account for their end customers. We have some really unique features uh, on our platform. I'll just name three. One is called Superpin. Superpin is our contribution to the, to the changing landscape of what modern uh, sort of um, banking should signify. Superpin is basically a dynamic pin, which is based on the RSA synchronized, uh, time synchronized token technology. Uh, so this allows a customer to not uh, use a static pin, doesn't have to remember it. It regenerates every 120 seconds or 60 seconds, and then can be used for both e-commerce and physical transactions. We have another interesting feature called Swipe to Pay supported by our ACS system, which allows consumers to have a single click experience at e-commerce checkout without having to wait for an OTP, which in, uh, as you know, Hemant, in many cases doesn't land up or lands up late and you have to redo the transaction, right? So uh, that's avoided by a single click experiences, experience called Swipe to Pay enabled by our ACS system. We also support another unique feature called Location Shield, which if you turn on, basically your physical card, if it has been, uh, is, is being attempted uh, by a fraudster at a location uh, which is more than five kilometers in radius from where you are located as a uh, consumer with the digital app, uh, it then disallows the transaction from going through. So these are some of the modern features that we uh, support. Um, we offer card controls uh, off the bat in the sense that it's uh, all of the regulations of the RBI in terms of card controls are available. So if you're a fintech wanting to launch a modern banking experience, you don't have to spend millions of dollars building up this entire capability from a platform perspective, you can come to us. We will simply enable APIs for you to uh, go out and, you know, launch a modern banking experience and offer a combination of all of these features to solve for your use case that you're trying to address. So uh, that's just a simple example of uh, what we do. I think uh, uh, the, uh, the reason why we exist so we are very clear that we never want to be a direct-to-consumer brand. Uh, we want to be a B2B2C player. So we will facilitate both banks and fintechs to offer modern banking experiences for uh, for customers.
And Murli, my next question is kind of uh, me batting for the team, which is the embedded banking team. Now, I was talking to someone who is a non-financial company and I was discussing this topic of embedded banking and what it means in the market. Now, the question arises from their side is, what is in it for me? And that's a question that all of us who are part of this community who are trying to bring embedded banking into the world would face from non-financial players, right? So the question I had for you is when you have this conversation on behalf of banks or fintechs with with the customers, non-financial companies, what could be the reasons why they should do it? Ah, okay. All right. So the, for them, it's basically to promote engagement with their customer, right? I mean, at the end of the day, if, if the customer is, you know, shopping with you, for example, and uh, uh, suddenly has to leave your uh, uh, shopping experience because he doesn't have the money to buy something and you've not facilitated mm. that. Uh, the customer is lost forever. So if you're a company which is providing a service to a customer, you want to, sp- you want to have that customer spend more and more time on your platform, right? So for example, why should right. a WhatsApp make available payments for you? Because it's the next logical thing to, so if you're already spending, uh, you know, maybe an hour a day on WhatsApp, you want them to spend one and a half hours a day and that's your way to monetization, right? So, mm-hmm. so in my opinion, it's to promote engagement. Second, it's also an important revenue source. It can be an important revenue source because Correct. the moment you embed, allow somebody to embed a financial services product, you can ask for a share of revenue. You can ask for a, a share of the, the marketing dollars that they, that they want to spend. Uh, so all of these are possibilities, right? So, uh, you would do it for pure economic reasons. You would pro- do it for, uh, uh, providing engagement and last but not the least if you didn't do it uh, you would get disrupted that's the ultimate truth so three good reasons why yeah yeah certainly certainly a kind of survival requires it part as well uh Muli, i also wanted to understand the, some some of the earliest yeah. successes at zeta that you have seen um, recently yeah so uh you know firstly i must say that uh in a in a year of the pandemic uh, we actually signed about 20 or 25 clients uh, on our platform for fusion oh. which is as i mentioned to you earlier our embedded banking or embedded finance uh, product um we have about six or seven clients uh, who've gone live uh, so i'll really just talk about one example of a client who went live with us it's fampay which launched a use case where uh, they serve the needs of the teen who needs of a financial product teens as you know in india don't have the ability to get a financial product easily. So Fampe, uh, in some sense, solved for that. Uh, they were a runaway success. They, uh, I think, uh, announced publicly just recently that they've crossed a million downloads and uh, the financial services product that they offer to the customer is basically off of uh, Zeta's Fusion platform. Uh, we ended up uh, uh, supporting their uh, offering from scratch and uh, in the space of about six months, they've already reached 600, 700,000. Uh, you will see a, a spate of launches coming in the next three to six months uh, on our platform. Uh, the other one that uh, uh, I uh, I really like, uh, I don't know whether you saw the ads released by Walrus Pay. Very, very cool card offering off of our platform. And some more uh, uh, coming. And uh, I, I don't want to uh, steal the thunder of some of these uh, really cool names. Uh, they're coming up shortly and... You know, uh, I'm sure you will read about them. Um, I, I, I really can't talk about it yet uh, publicly, but some really big brands coming up with uh, uh, embedded finance or embedded banking products off of Fusion. Nice. Actually, I didn't know that uh, the FAMPE one and the Walrus one sits on your 
uh, stack. Uh, that's really good to know. And the next thing, only which I really wanted to understand was if there's a company which wants to embed, say, a banking product within their ex- existing customer journeys through your product. So, what would be the typical onboarding journey that that a customer like that would have with you? Uh, so there is uh, two legs to a conversation that a, a fintech wants to have with us. One is the entire con- conversation around what is the use case that they are trying to solve for and whether we have sort of uh, functionality in our API uh, architecture or API set to be able to you know fulfill those requirements. Once that um, is established that we can serve the needs of that uh, particular customer, uh, then the second sort of conversation is around uh, which bank, uh, so we have a, sub- a set of banks that uh, uh, we, we power on the supply side, like I mentioned. You know, there's usually some sort of a conversation which the fintech partner will have uh, about their choice of bank. If there is a meeting of the minds there, then there's a round of commercial discussion. Typically, we charge on a pay-as-you-go model. There's a very, very small setup fee, but it's largely pay-as-you-go. Very, very easy to uh, understand commercials uh, based on the number of customers and based on the transactions that you uh, generate on our platform. There is a fee that we charge in the uh, the second uh, sort of uh, round of discussions. Typically, once uh, the commercials are agreed to, and it's pretty standard commercials, uh, you know, very easy for partners to sign up with us. Uh, uh, Then there's a commercial agreement that's typically signed. And then uh, off they go to look at our APIs. And and in 90% of the cases, the fintechs themselves end up developing the mobile app for their end consumer. Occasionally for really large uh, fintechs, we also take on the job of developing those mobile apps. But in uh, in large number of cases, we end up having the uh, fintech itself uh, doing the uh, uh, app development. Once that's done, they can use our APIs and off they go. In typically in three to four weeks in these days, uh, a new fintech can launch a use case with us. Muli, I think that was pretty illuminating uh, as far as uh, explaining what embedded banking is and what Zeta does, right? Uh, I think that's been an excellent conversation so far. If any of our listeners want to get in touch with you in the future, what's the best way to reach out to you? Uh, well, uh, they can call me uh, uh, or write to me uh, at Muli at uh, Zeta.tech or our business on embedded finance is headed by Gaurav Mittal, uh, Gaurav M at Zeta.tech are two email IDs that you can write to or uh, just find us, uh, find our website and uh, there's a contact us uh, tab. Click there, give in your details and we will get in touch with you typically within 24 hours. Excellent, excellent. We'll add those uh, details in the show notes. Uh, That's it for India Fintech Diaries this week. If you're a regular listener, stay tuned for the next few episodes as we have something special planned for you. Do visit our website, indiafintechdiaries.com for show notes, episode archives and exclusive content. Thank you for listening and until next time, stay safe.